Performance is the smartest solution in the universe for men dealing with erectile dysfunction, or ED. So, we hired an equally smart guy who knows a thing or two about the universe to explain our treatment. An astrophysicist. Peak Performance. Hi, I'm an astrophysicist. What makes Peak Performance the smartest ED solution is that it uses a revolutionary process called focused linear compression therapy. These short, comfortable treatments involve no pain, no surgery, no side effects, and are effective for over 80% of men. Peak Performance. Very smart. Call Peak Performance today at 1-800-210-8181 for a free blood flow evaluation. That's 1-800-210-8181. Call 1-800-210-8181 or visit peakperformanceformen.com. Peak Performance. Man at his peak. Thank you. You're welcome, sweetie. Have a good day. The demand for healthcare professionals who deliver both comfort and critical care is growing. FindNursingSchools.com connected me with an accelerated Bachelor's of Nursing degree program in my area with expanded capacity so I could complete the program in 16 months. Now I'm on the path to an in-demand career that offers job stability, flexible schedules, competitive pay, and the choice of where to work. Visit FindNursingSchools.com to begin your journey today. Welcome. I'm so glad you can join us on Mission Evolution, where we bring the latest knowledge from today's leading experts to support your evolutionary process. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll consider cancer prevention and evolutionary viewpoint. We all have been faced with tough decisions from time to time. Unfortunately, there's no canned answer that fits every situation and person. When trying to make one of life's difficult choices, it makes sense to gather all the data we can and then select the best alternative for us personally at any given time. With us this hour is a gentleman that has been confronted with not just difficult, but life and death choices. Here to share his experience as cancer survivor is Chris Wark. Chris is a young adult cancer survivor, best-selling author, and patient advocate. He was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2003 at just 26 years old. After surgery, Chris made the decision to opt out of chemotherapy and chose to use nutrition and natural therapies to heal. Six years later in 2010, he began sharing his story of faith, courage, and determination, and his message of hope that chronic disease like cancer can be prevented and reversed with a radical transformation of diet and lifestyle. His website, chrisbeatcancer.com. Chris, thanks very much for joining us on Lynch and Evolution. Thank you for having me. It's a real, it's a real pleasure. It's a real pleasure and an honor. So, Chris, um, I understand you were diagnosed with cancer when you were 26. Um, what's your life? What was your life like leading up to that point? Well, my life was pretty good. I, I didn't have any health problems, and uh, I was a newlywed. Had been married for about two years, and I was working in real estate, and I was a musician, and was writing songs and playing shows and was just really excited about my future. Uh, but that year, which was 2003, I was also was having some abdominal pain that would come and go uh, randomly. And uh, I put it off for six months or more because it wasn't debilitating and it wasn't, uh, you know, terrible pain. It was just sort of twinges of pain. But uh, that progressed. And in December, 
I went to the doctor because it had just, the pain had, had gotten worse. And I was referred around several times and eventually uh, had a colonoscopy and they did um, that procedure. And when I woke up, they said, you have a golf ball sized tumor in your large intestine, in your colon. And uh, <laughs> at that point in my life, just to, just to give you an idea of how clueless I was, I didn't even know what a colon was, <laughs> so, right? Uh, it's like, oh, the colon, what is that? That's the large intestine, okay. So anyway, uh, they, they biopsied it and sent it to the lab. And then two days later, I got a call, uh, either, sorry, one or two days later, I still don't even know exactly when that happened because it was such a blur, but they called and said, uh, we've confirmed you have colon cancer. My goodness. I mean, you had no clue before that or any inkling that something wasn't right outside of just an occasional twinge. Right. No clue. Colon cancer was the fur furthest thing from my radar. I thought maybe I had an ulcer, right? I don't know. You know, I didn't know anything about anything uh, with, with regard to health. So yeah, uh, it was a total shock as uh, cancer diagnosis is at pretty much any age, but especially as a young adult. And, right. um, mm -hmm. What happened to me was very typical. And that is, I was rushed into treatment out of fear. Well, that's pretty terrifying very... to find out that you have a, a life-threatening disease and you apparently didn't have any, um, weren't armed with any prior knowledge of even what the colon was, much less what the cancer would, would entail. Am yeah, I correct I didn't... in that? I didn't know anything about cancer. I didn't know much about health or healing. And, um, and so what happened to me is what happens to most patients. They're, they get a diagnosis. It's very scary. And they're told you have to do treatment right away if you want to survive. If you want any chance of, of surviving, of living a long life or living five years, you need to do exactly what the doctors tell you. So for me, they said, you need surgery right away. We got to get this thing out of you before it spreads and kills you. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess I got to do this. And um, I mean, they wanted to have me in surgery within just a couple of days. You know, I mean, you don't have time to think about your life. You don't have time to read and research or talk to anybody. I mean, that, that's what happens. Patients are rushed into radiation or chemo or surgery before they know what's happening to them. And so I did have the surgery. Uh, when I woke up from surgery, they said, it's worse than we thought. You're stage 3C. You're going to need nine to 12 months of chemotherapy. And, um, you so know, Chris, what, what went through your mind at that point? I mean, you're still in the hospital. Yes. When you get yeah. this information and still probably debilitated from the, the surgery itself, what went through your mind? Well, I was on some really heavy drugs at that point. So there wasn't a whole lot going through my mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just cut out a third of my large intestine and sewed me back up and given me some really strong drugs. So I was just basically unconscious, you know, for days in the hospital. And I sort of just, you know, they told me I would need chemotherapy and it was like, okay. You know I mean? You know, I couldn't, I wasn't thinking clearly at that did time. You, did you have someone there with you that had knowledge of what was going on that could help advise or hold space for you? I didn't have advisors, but my mom, my, my wife, uh, other family members, my dad, you know, people were definitely in and out and with me pretty much 24 seven people were with me, which was wonderful. I mean, that was a, definitely a blessing. Um, but at that time there was no, 
there wasn't a real need for advocacy because they weren't trying to start chemo right that moment, you know. Um, it was more of just let's make sure he recovers from surgery, which I did. Um, but a couple things happened in the hospital, you know, that got my wheels turning. And what the first one was they served me a sloppy Joe. Oh my. The first meal after cutting out a third of my guts was a sloppy Joe. And I was like, what, like, why are you serving this horrible industrial cafeteria food to sick people, right? To heart disease, you know, the guy, guy down the hall just had a quadruple bypass, right? He's getting a sloppy Joe too. You know, it's, it just makes no sense why they're serving this horrible food. Like they, they really don't care about the did health you, did you of have their any patients. Did you have any history with food and dietary no. uh, recommendations or options? So, no. so how did you know that that wasn't just okay? Well, I mean, the sloppy Joe, they don't even serve it in restaurants. Like nobody likes them. Like the only place you can get a sloppy Joe is summer camp or the military or in prison. So, you know, it's the perfect example of the worst kind of cafeteria food imaginable. So I knew enough. I had a background in health in that I used to, I worked for a uh, health food store called Wild Oats for a year when I was in college. So I, was, I knew what health food was. You know, okay, that was. makes that makes sense because yeah. that that kind of exposure gives you a little broader view of of what our food choices can mean or do and what they are. Yeah, I knew the difference between health food and junk food, right? Fruits and vegetables. I knew that was better than McDonald's, right, or a Snickers bar, right? So I had a just a sort of a basic understanding that there was a there was a there was a world of healthy and holistic living out there. I wasn't a part of it, but it existed, and um, and so. The next step, once they cleared me to go home, my surgeon came in to check on me and I said, hey, is there any food I need to avoid? Because I was, I didn't want to eat the wrong thing and mess up the surgery, like melt the stitches with Tabasco sauce or something, right? And his response was, no, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Now, what year was this? This was January, 2004. Yeah. And fortunately, some of that's come a long ways, but at that time, they, they didn't have that information. There was you know, they had the information, they just didn't have any regard for it. That's the reality. And it's, it's it, some hospitals and doctors are more aware of nutrition now, and, and others still shrug their sh shoulders and say it doesn't matter, right? And right. if you look, look at how many doctors are overweight or obese, look at how many doctors uh, smoke cigarettes, well, still, we're gonna, look at how many doctors drink alcohol gonna, every day. We're going to have to pick this up on the other side of a, of a short break. Chris and I will return, so don't go away. This is Mission Evolution, www.missionevolution.org. And you're watching the Exxon TV channel, www.exxonetvchannel.org. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. 
It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Hello again. This is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. With us this hour discussing his experience as a cancer survivor is Chris Wark. His website, chrisbeatcancer.com. Chris, we were just getting into the the changes that have gone on um, since the time you were in the hospital uh, with nutrition and that you had a little bit of nutritional background, but at the time, the hospitals and the doctors didn't really regard it as an important part of healing. We have seen changes since then. What puts you on the track of diet being an issue here? So, you know, the hospital served me this horrible sloppy Joe meal, the first meal and all the other food they brought was terrible like meatloaf and other stuff like that. Uh, my surgeon told me it didn't matter what I ate. And I got home and I knew that wasn't right. I mean, I knew instinctively that there's a healthy way to eat and there's an unhealthy way to eat. And, um, but I didn't know what to do. And, and I was faced with um, this prospect of chemotherapy uh, in order to survive. I was told that's what I needed in order to survive. And I had a problem with it instinctively. I didn't understand this, this idea that I needed to poison my way back to health. Didn't make sense. Right? I understood why they said I needed it, but I, it didn't make sense to me and I didn't want to do it. And do you think, I think, do you, Chris, do you think that, um, what did it feel like when you just got this instinctual, this isn't right? Because again, you've already said that you didn't have any educational background in medicine um, or really any, any experience. And yet all of a sudden, it seems like some kind of intuition kicked in. Um, how can you explain that? Well, I mean, just from personal observation, there's a huge difference between someone who's taking, let's say, uh, medicine for high blood pressure, right? They can take that medicine and go about their day and their life and it's fine. But chemotherapy drugs are so unbelievably toxic that they put you in bed, your hair falls out, right? You, you can't eat anything. I mean, they're, they're poisonous head to toe. And so it's a whole different class of drugs. And so I just knew I'd seen cancer patients out in the world and I'd seen how profoundly uh, destroyed their bodies were as a result of months of chemotherapy treatments. So, I mean, just that right there was enough for me to, to, to have pause about saying yes to this, but I didn't know what else to do. And so I prayed about it and I just, my wife and I prayed and I said, God, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me, right? I don't know what to do. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel right. I don't have peace about it. And two days later, I got a book that was sent to me from a friend of my dad's who lived in Alaska. And he sends me this book written by George Malcolmus. And George had uh, healed himself of colon cancer back in the 1970s with a raw food diet and juicing. 
and I'm reading his story and it was just miraculous. And I was so excited because I thought, you know what, if he can heal, maybe I can heal. If the body creates cancer, then maybe the body can heal it. Maybe you can uncreate it. So exactly. um, when, what was your lifestyle and diet like leading up to your discovery of having cancer? I was eating the standard American diet, which is also known as the Western diet. And the Western diet is one that is high in animal food. So that's meat and dairy. And it's also high in processed food. So that would be high in sugar, salt, and oils. And then of course, all of the artificial additives, flavors, preservatives, colors, all this junk that they're putting in processed food, fast food, and junk food. So I was eating like everybody else, right? And not everybody gets cancer in their 20s. However, young adult colon cancer is one of the fastest growing cancers in terms of the number of people getting it, right? Young adult colon cancer is on the rise because our diet has just, it's gotten so bad. And we're eating so much meat and dairy and processed food and junk food. And we are the most sedentary that we've ever been as a culture in the United States. We are the most overweight and obese that we've ever been in the United States. Smoking is the number one cause of cancer, but the number two cause is obesity. And this is something they're not talking about on the news because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And the reality is, is like, this is life or death. If, if you're overweight or obese, there's no shame. Like, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad or guilty about it. You're overweight or, ob or obese because you live in a country with unlimited food right? There's food everywhere. And that's actually a blessing to have unlimited food, unlike other parts of the world. But unlimited food and eating too much food puts more weight on your body. Excess body fat leads to immunosuppression and chronic inflammation and other problems like high blood pressure and heart disease and diabetes and a very high risk of cancer. So even though I wasn't overweight, um, we know what's causing cancer. We know what's contributing to cancer. And these are things that, that we can do, but mostly these are things that are in our control. And we've been told, we've been led to believe that if you have cancer, you're a powerless victim, right? We don't know what, what caused it. Maybe it was genetic and, but it was nothing you did, right? Nothing you did contributed to your life or your condition or your disease. And that is a lie. The truth is our choices create our life. And many of us are have unknowingly made choices that have led us down a path of disease. And the good news is, is you can start making different choices today that takes you down a different path. And that's the road to health. And so, so I Chris, made did, a dis Go ahead. I'm sorry. Did you um, have uh, cancer in your family line? Was there a certain amount of a genetic predisposition going on? Or there was were you no an anomaly? No one in my, in my family had gotten cancer when I got cancer. No one. Now, after I did, there were some other people that got cancer. Um, but uh, yeah, there was no family history up to that point. And so, how much do you think your um, um, job and, and stress and lifestyle also added outside of just what you were eating? Well, we know that up to 90% of cancers are caused by poor diet, uh, unhealthy lifestyle choices, smoking, drinking, being overweight, right? Drug use, uh, not exercising and environmental factors, right? So they'd be like environmental pollution. So 90% of cancers are caused by these factors. 
that we have control over for the most part. Environmental pollution is a little tricky, right? But your what you put in your mouth, what you put on your body, and the way you take care of yourself, that accounts for the majority of cancers and chronic disease. So I, as I started reading and researching and I was learning this information, which was completely revelatory to me because it, it gave me my power back. I realized I'm not a victim of, of disease. I'm a victim of my choices and I need to change the way I'm living my life. Well, so isn't overnight, that, yeah. isn't that the main point, no matter what you're dealing with is coming out of that victim stance. Yes. Victimhood is so dangerous and destructive and it, it literally makes you powerless, right? When you believe you're a victim, but when you decide not to be a victim, which anyone can do at any point in their life, they can decide I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I'm taking responsibility for my life and my health and my situation. And I'm going to change, right? I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to change the way I act. I'm going to change the way I react to, to people and situations. And this is this is what I had to do. I just realized I got to change my whole life. And so the first step was the diet. That That's something anyone can change overnight is you can change what you put in your mouth. And so I went from eating the standard American diet, one to two servings of fruits and vegetables per day to eating between 15 and 20 servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. <laughs> Okay. When when you made that choice and you made that change, um, did you then have a period of detox of, of feeling worse before you felt better? Yes. The first week I felt pretty lousy on a raw food diet, right? My mm -hmm. energy was low because you know you're you're experiencing withdrawal from exactly. meat and dairy, well, sugar, salt, and oils. We're going to have to pick up on the withdrawal on the other side of yet another break. Chris and I will return to our discussion. So you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution, www.missionevolution.org. And you're watching the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, www.missionevolution.org. Our guest this hour is Chris Wark. We're speaking about cancer prevention. His website, chrisbeatcancer.com. Chris, we were talking about the um, what you started going through when you radically changed your diet overnight. How long did the what we call detox or a healing crisis, how long did that last? And were you tempted to go, oh, I'm, I'm worse instead of better. I'm going to do something different. This is really important because um, when you make a radical change to your diet, uh, you will experience withdrawal. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. So if you've been eating tons of sugar and salt and processed food, right, tons of meat and dairy, uh, drinking lots of caffeine, right, and you stop doing those things, right, there will be a few days where you don't feel right. You know, you, you may have a huge drop in energy. That's pretty common. You just feel tired and low energy, and like, oh, I don't feel good. You might get headaches, right? You might feel nauseous. You might even break out you know, in, uh, in pimples or hives, like there's crazy things that can happen when your body starts to detoxify. And, uh, and so for me, yeah, I just had a few days of feeling kind of low energy and not feeling great. 
Uh, no, I didn't have any extreme detox symptoms, but they're not uncommon. Point is, within a week, I started feeling really good. A week of eating all raw fruits and vegetables, fresh fruit juices, giant salads, fruit smoothies, just took about a week. And then my energy came back and I felt better than I had in a long time. And so it's important to know, like, you got to get over that little bit of a hump. And if, if you're thinking about this or you've tried, I can remember years ago, someone said, oh, I tried a, a raw diet and I just couldn't do it. You know, I just felt bad. I tried it and I just on the second day, I just had to quit. And I'm like, oh, you just, you just had, you just got to push through a little longer, right? Just got to push through that little difficult period and uh, you start feeling good. So I, I did that and um, went you know, there's a lot of pressure to go see the oncologist and to do chemotherapy, even though I was really starting to think I didn't want to do it. And uh, I was excited about changing my life and building my body up. I didn't want to tear it down further. I, I knew I was weak. I knew I was sick. I felt really vulnerable. And um, I, I, I did not want to become the kind of cancer patient that I saw out in the world, right? Emaciated, no hair, yellow skin, sickly, weak, right? I didn't want to become that. And I wanted to get stronger and healthier. So <clears throat> we had an appointment with an oncologist and it didn't go well. And he basically told me, if you don't do chemotherapy, you're insane. So when, with this kind of information, and they're telling you the best they know at the time, I mean, there's no villains out there, but with oh, this there kind are of villains out there, <laughs> with this kind of information, what response were you getting from your family, from your support system? I mean, this is a scary time and tough decisions. Well, um, what were they people saying? People around me were trying to help and they loved me, but they didn't know how to help. And they were, op many of them operating on this false belief that uh, chemotherapy is the best solution for a cancer patient. Uh, and the, the reality is, since the introduction of chemotherapy, really back in the late 1950s, 1960s, up till today, the cancer death rate has only improved by about 5%. So think about that. 5% in almost roughly 70 years. That's so horrible. Where, where do those but, figures come from, Chris? Uh, these are well-documented. You can Google cancer death rate is only improved 5%. Uh, and you'll find research articles and papers and st stuff like that. So so the death rate is the ultimate measure of success, right? How, how are we doing? Are we curing cancer? No. The death rate has only come down 5% since the 19, late 1950s. Um, and uh, if that's not the most indicative scorecard of failure, I don't know what is. So once, once you made your decision, which was not an easy decision, I suspect, with this kind of feedback, once you made the decision, did you os oscillate or did you really stick to your guns and feel that this was absolutely the path for you? Well, every day you're dealing with fear. You're dealing with worry and doubt and uncertainty when you have cancer. And I, every day I just had to give my fear to God. You know, I had to learn how to trust him to lead me and, and not to operate in a perpetual state of fear. And we've seen what fear does to people. The last two years have been such... Uh, an incredible eye-opening season for a lot of people because they've seen how easily you can manipulate people with fear. 
when and, you're and in a state been, of fear. That's been going on all along um, yeah. and continues as long as we play the game. Um, yeah, as long as we step out of that game. Exactly. When so, you don't recognize fear mongering, right, you become susceptible to it. And absolutely. when you're in a state of fear, I had the gift, cancer, you know, I have so many blessings as a result of cancer, but one of the things that it taught me was it taught me how to live in a, how not to live in a state of fear, how to recognize fear and how to deal with it and not let it consume my mind and my heart. Because when you're in a state of fear, you cannot make informed decisions. You cannot think clearly or rationally. You, you will operate in a irrational, uh, impulsive way and you're easily manipulated. And I learned that the cancer industry exploits fear to rush patients into treatment. And so when I saw this happening with everything going on in the world in 2020, it was very obvious to me. I was like, oh, I, I know this playbook, right? This so, is, so this Chris, is you, fear mongering. You've mentioned several times that uh, about your faith and, and putting it in the hands of God. How much do you feel um, that your faith has given you the courage as well as the um, balance to make the choices you needed to make for you personally at the time? My faith definitely gave me the courage to do what I did because, you know, when you're faced with cancer, all your options are scary, right? Chemotherapy scary, not doing chemotherapy scary, right? They're both scary. So it's like I had to learn to trust God and give him my fear and trust that he would lead me. And, you know, when you're, when you're doing chemo, it's like everybody's supporting you and loving on you and, you know, sending you gifts and food and flowers and cookies and right, it, like everybody's on your side. And if you decide not to do chemotherapy, you know, your support kind of evaporates and you feel very alone. And did your family's support evaporate or did you have that all along? It did evaporate. It mm -hmm. did. Uh, my mom supported me and my wife in the beginning didn't know how to support me. She thought I was making a mistake. And, but she came around. After that appointment with our, the oncologist who said I was insane, and the way he treated us was he treated us so badly and was so condescending and used so much, tried to use so much fear to, to manipulate me into saying yes to chemo. Her eyes were opened by that appointment. And so, you know, from there, I just had to realize like, my life is up to me. I want, I'm going to live or die on my own terms. That was, this is my choice. This is my life. No one else gets to make this decision for me. And I'm not going to let anyone intimidate me or bully me into a, doing a treatment I don't want to do. And so, but I didn't put my head in the sand and, and just cross my fingers and hope for the best. I took massive action to radically change every aspect of my life. So not, it started with the diet and, and exercise. Those are the simple things. But then I had to really do the, the mental, emotional, and spiritual work to really heal my heart, right? To change the person that I was. And like, you know, your show's about evolution. Like I had to evolve in that way, right? I couldn't keep being the same person that I was and I couldn't keep living the same way I was living. And a huge part of that journey for me and, and for a lot of cancer patients, because I've counseled uh, countless cancer patients in the last 18 years, is forgiveness. Forgiveness is such a powerful healing tool that you have at your disposal. And people don't realize that bitterness and anger and resentment and unforgiveness, right, are so toxic and are so destructive and are leading them down the path of disease. So that's a huge part of my message.
huge part. Well, we'll have to pick up on that part of your message and go a little deeper into it on the other side of yet another break. Chris and I will be back shortly to continue this discussion. So don't go away. This is Mission Evolution, www.missionevolution.org. You are watching the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. And speaking of gifted people of service, this hour we're sharing thoughts with Chris Wark. His website, chrisbeatcancer.com. Chris, we were getting into how radical of a lifestyle change that you had to make or you chose to make to turn your life around. And that your faith really puts you in a position to do that. How could you tell what the guidance, where the guidance was taking you? You know, when you step out in faith, you're really stepping out of your comfort zone, right? And you're stepping out into the unknown. And that forces you to really rely on God and really trust that he's going to lead you. And the analogy I like to use is if you've ever been hiking, there's, a, there's always a moment on a hike if you're hiking somewhere you've never been before, where you think to yourself, am I lost? <laughs> and, but you don't really have any choice, right? You're like, uh, but you're on a trail. So you, you stay on the trail and you keep going and eventually you see a signpost and you're like, oh, okay, good. Okay, this is the right way. This is the trail. Cool, yeah, we do, let's just keep going this way, right? And so there was those, those signposts along the way, along my journey that would remind me that I was on the right path. And that's really, it's so exciting. I, what I, these are what I call mini miracles, is, is a person would come into my life that would encourage me and tell me the, the, the perfect thing that I need to hear in that moment, or information would come across my desk, or, you know, I, I would just learn things, or, or and... It just always at the right time, right? Always when I needed it. And so that's how I knew I was I was on the right path. There was just these confirmatory things happening along the way, people and information coming to me right at the right time, just saying, you're doing the right thing, keep going, and uh, don't be afraid. And so that that's what it's like, you know? And that's not just with cancer, that's with any any venture, anytime you're doing something where you have very little support or you're charting a new territory in life or you know, you're hacking your way through the jungle, you, you have to rely on your instincts and your in intuition and trust God to lead you, and then look for those signposts. So when um, you mentioned that you also had to do spiritual healing, you had to heal on all levels. And there's more and more evidence that if you just treat one level, you're only going to get so well so far. Um, how did you confront the um, emotional and spiritual healing that you needed to do in order to, to find the balance to beat cancer? What I had to do is I had to take a step back from my life and really look at it, you know, um, without, without any uh, filter, right? I had to look in the mirror and, and be honest with myself about who I was. And at that time, I was very prideful and arrogant. I was insecure. I was prone to envy and jealousy because of my insecurities. I was, I was never happy for anyone else's success. I just was only, I was only envious and jealous and resentful of people who I perceived to have something better than me, whether it was looks or talent or money or success or skills. And these are all very negative 
emotional states, mental and emotional states. And they're, they're really just bad habits, right? These are bad habits that we develop, the way we perceive the world, the way we interpret others and events that happen to us. And so I had to really start taking every thought captive, right? And catching myself when I was thinking negatively and interrupting it, right? If I started to feel jealous from someone, I just have to say, wait a second, I'm feeling envious and jealous right now, right? I had to acknowledge it. And, and then I had to say, I'm going to choose not to. Right. So that first step is owning it, isn't it? That's that right. introspection, that know thyself issue. Know thyself, they call it mindfulness, right? Mm -hmm. Which is not just thinking your thoughts, which you're doing anyway, but thinking about your thoughts, right? Catching yourself, why am I thinking this way? And choosing to think differently if it makes sense. So if I if I was being feeling judgmental or critical, if I was thinking that way, I could stop and be like, I'm being critical right now. I'm going to choose not to, right? I'm not going to judge that person. I don't know them. I don't know anything about their life. I'm going to choose not to be judgmental, right? I'm, I'm going to choose not to be envious to this person. I'm going to count so, my blessings and practice gratitude because, yeah, okay, they've got a Ferrari and a giant house. <laughs> I'm, I'm making this up, but they've got this great life and everything seems perfect. But, but I have a great life too. I have a house. I have a, a wife who loves me. I have a baby on the way, right? I have running water. <laughs> you know, I can see, I can hear, I can walk and talk. I, I started just really taking stock of all the blessings I had in my life. And I still do this. And it just completely transforms your attitude and your perspective when you're starting to feel frustrated and discouraged or, uh, you know, irritated about minor things in your life. You can always just stop in that moment. And even when you have big problems like cancer, you can stop in that moment and start counting your blessings. You just realize how much you have to be thankful for. Gratitude and so this was a, a habit I had trans to cultivate. Gratitude is a huge transformative power, isn't it, in our lives? Yeah, it's so, huge. So speaking of transformation, you're now a patient advocate, I understand. What kind of education did you need to switch roles? Well, uh, six and a half years after my diagnosis, I started a, a website called chrisbeatcancer.com. And that was really just me sharing my story. You know, I just felt like, man, I survived cancer. I, I did it my way. <laughs> I did some very unconventional things, but I changed my life in a big way in every way. And I feel like this will be encouraging. You know, I feel like there's other people out here that out, out in the world that maybe they, they want to, they want to do this, that this makes sense to them too. So I started sharing my story and making videos and writing articles, and it really just took off. And it over the, the next five years, it just consumed more and more of, of my life and my time. So and you, you, came, you came from your experience, not necessarily being trained as an advocate. No, it came from my experience, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then self-education, reading and researching and learning about mm -hmm. nutritional science and cancer treatment and the cancer industry. And, uh, and so... That took over my life and then coaching other people and, and helping them get control of their life and their health. So well, Chris, it snowballed. We're, we're, we're getting close to running out of time and No Mission Evolution episode is complete without my asking. Chris, what is your mission? My mission as a patient advocate and a survivor is to pr provide hope, encouragement, inspiration, and practical action steps to anyone that wants to change their life and improve their health. That's either to reduce their risk of ever getting cancer or to increase their odds of survival 
if they've been diagnosed. And the good news is, is you have options and your choices matter and your choices now today will affect your future tomorrow. And you can change the way you're living. And in doing so, you can change your life and change your future. That's what I'm here to do. Well, that's a very worthy mission. And if a person changes that on that deep level, doesn't it change everything? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've, we've been conditioned to believe that we're powerless, right? And the truth is, your choices create your life. And if you want to change your life, you have to change your daily routine. And great, this is simple things. These are simple things that anyone can do. Anyone can start eating more fruits and vegetables. Anyone can get out and walk, pretty much, or find a way to exercise every day. Uh, anyone can forgive. Anyone can choose to think positively when you're when you're uh, you have a bad habit of thinking negatively, right? And so, if you have the beat cancer mindset, that's what I call it. You have to be willing to change your whole life and take full responsibility and stop making excuses. And <laughs> well, unfortunately, I'm here to help you do it. All right, Chris, thank you for being there for us. And unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Our guest this hour has been Chris Wark, author of numerous books, including Chris Beat Cancer, A Comprehensive Plan for Healing Naturally. His website, chrisbeatcancer.com. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka. For more information or to enjoy past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. You are watching the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. Please be sure to join us right here next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to our rapidly evolving world. Thank you.